Get your Bible out with me this morning and go to John chapter 8. John chapter 8. Praise God. Let's go ahead and take a moment and pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you today. You're with us, you're for us, and not against us. Lord, we ask you to lead us in the way that we should go. Direct our steps and order our paths. May every word spoken be that which is right and necessary for today. And Lord, ask, we ask you for eyes to see and ears to hear exactly what you're saying to this church and to our lives as individuals today. Thank you for the blessing of the Lord. Thank you for the hand of God that's upon us. Lord, for good, not for evil, all the days of our lives. We give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, everybody, we're in a series. As you know, this series entitled, The Eyes of Your Understanding, okay? Like I said before, this is one of the most important subjects that we could ever deal with and talk about because of the fact that when a person operates in revelation, understanding, and their eyes are open, uh, everything else becomes more clear, okay? No matter, whatever, whatever, no matter what subject you talk about from the Word of God, though they all have uh, relevance and importance, Man, when you can see it, and when the Lord is moving and revelation is flowing in your life, it changes everything and how we are to do stuff. Amen. Uh, you, you might think sometimes, um, well, let me, I'll come back to that later. Let's go, let's go ahead and go read John chapter 8. I'll come back if I remember. It's a good thought, though. So just praise God. John chapter 8, verse 31. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Who gets free? Those who know the truth. Who knows the truth? Those who abide in his word, right? If you look down to the 36th verse, Jesus said, Therefore, if the Son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. Well, good question to ask would be, how does the Son make a person free? That was already answered. He makes us free by giving us truth. When I know truth, I get free. If, like I've said before, I am in bondage and bound up in any area of my life, if I am subject to junk... That's just running me over in my life. It is a good indication that I believe something incorrect about that area. There's something I'm believing that's not true. Because if I had truth, it would instantly free me. Okay? And though there's number of, a number of methods by which the Lord ministers deliverance and healing and, 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 and sets us free from stuff, truth is a long-term solution. When I get truth in any area, there's no person who can keep me in bondage. There's no demon in hell that can, that can do stuff to me. I know truth, therefore I'm free. That's why being able to see these things becomes of utmost importance to us. Now, uh, Ephesians chapter 4 is where we want to look. Ephesians chapter 4. And take a look with me at verse 17. This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind. Now, now just stop right there for a moment. I want you to understand this, that Paul is writing to Christians. He's writing to believers. And he said, I don't want you to walk like those heathens. I don't want you to walk like those other. Well, why would you say that unless it were entirely possible and maybe even probable that they would walk that way and he's trying to keep them from it? How many know just because a person gets saved, they receive the Lord, that doesn't automatically change their walk. What it does is changes their right standing with God. It gives us righteousness, changes our spirit, but it's still possible for a believer, a saved person, to live a crooked life. 
or to walk in the futility of their mind. If it were all automatic, that you receive the Lord and everything gets perfect, everything gets straightened out exactly right, then we wouldn't have a Bible. We'd have a page. <laughs> you were lost, here you go, get saved and everything's good from there. But no, we must learn to align the outside with the inside. And he said, you watch out that you do not walk like these other turkeys out there who are in darkness. He didn't use the word turkey, but I added that, okay? That's in the Greek, as far as you know. He said, in the futility of the mind, verse 18, having their understanding darkened. In other words, why do they walk that way? Why are they walking in the futility of the mind? They have their understanding darkened. He said, being alienated from the life of God. In other words, it's possible, again, for a believer to be alienated from the life of God. What is the life of God? Well, it's victory, it's peace, it's joy, it's healing and prosperity. It's, it's, it's just overcoming in every area, spirit, soul, and body in your life. That is the life of God. It's the quality of life that God has. Do you know any Christians who are living alienated from that kind of life? It happens too often. That's why we need this word. Don't walk in the futility of your mind. There is life available to you and to me, and we can walk in that. But he said, watch out. He said, they've got their understanding darkened. They're alienated from the life of God. Why? Because of the ignorance that's in them. Ignorance is a big problem. I'm not talking about people who can't do math. I'm not talking about people who don't have perfect grammar. That's not the kind of, I mean, those, those things are nice. That's not the kind of ignorance that gets a person to walk in the futility of their mind alienated from God's life. But they have ignorance in them. And we're about to show you in a little bit here what some of that is. Because, why are they ignorant? Again, because of the blindness of their heart. They have become blind, who being past feeling, have given themselves over to lewdness to work all uncleanness with greediness. And so we got this group of people that he's pointing to. He said, don't act like those guys do. Bad example. Do not follow them. They've got all kinds. They're walking in lewdness and greed. It's kind of a bunch of sexual sin stuff they're talking about here. But why are they doing it? Why are they living that way? Why do people live in a dark place aside from the life of God, alienated from the life of God, and they stay there and they live there perpetually? It's because they can't see. Because they have become blind their hearts have become blinded but what's interesting to me in all this again i want to bring out this point he's talking to saved people he's talking to christians and said watch out that you don't end up like that even though you're saved your sins are forgiven you could end up alienated from the life of god have you ever known someone i've known people in my life that at one point they were serving god they were saved i mean and if you were to ask yourself or ask anyone about them they'd say yeah man they love god they that's all they care about that they just want to serve the lord and serve people and be a blessing and god has done something tremendous in their life and it's true that he had but looking down the road a number of years not even living for god at all not even serving god at all living a some kind of really perverted pathetic life and you think how in the world could that happen how did they get from there and everything was going so good to now they're okay with living the kind of life they're living? It happens through blindness. Oftentimes, little by little, they become blinded. Their heart becomes hardened and, and their past feeling, as it says right here, become dull, insensitive to the life of God. And they start looking at things that are totally repulsive to them before, totally unacceptable as a way of life. And it starts looking okay. They put up with it. They tolerate it. They say, oh, well, you know, different strokes, different folks. People do different things. And before you know it, they've stepped into it. Before you know it, they're involved in it. And they're saying, well, what's wrong with it? That happens very subtly. And we need to be warned. Watch out that you don't go down that path because blindness will creep in and you'll do things you never thought you'd do. You'll be involved in stuff that you never thought would be possible. Okay? And these things, again, are possible to us. I remember hearing stories and reading about some of the uh, some great leaders 
in the body of Christ in the previous century. And really a lot of them who I'm thinking of going back into time before I was, before I was born during a great healing revival and things that were happening in the United States. And there were a number of outstanding ministers who had miracles galore. I mean, I mean, different ones. That you have to read testimonies. I won't repeat some of the names. It might not matter of some of these people. Many of you wouldn't know them unless you've studied that stuff. Uh, but one guy, he, he would walk up to people in the meetings. Whoever stood before him, he'd tell them, he'd tell them what their name was, what their address was, and, uh, and, and all just detailed word of knowledge. And I know some people nowadays, they, they want to mock that and say, I already know my name and address. And <laughs> so, it's still a revelation from God that helps that person when they realize he's never seen them before. And they end up getting healed. But just tremendous stuff and miracles right and left. People peeling off, peeling off of the face uh, cancerous tumors. And then they're just disappearing and just outstanding stuff. Here's my point about that. Some of these people, not all of them, they ended their lives terribly. One guy, he was a prophet and an evangelist and had a tremendous anointing. And uh, he decided at one point that he wanted to teach. And others around him, peers of his, said, you know what, that's not your gift. That's not what you're supposed to be doing. You're not supposed to be, uh, you're not called to teach. You need to stay within your gift, stay within your grace. But he decided he was going to, and he started teaching, and yikes. He taught all kinds of weird stuff. I mean, just way out there stuff. He just got into another person's office, and this person didn't live long. Okay? And we need to, you don't, you don't mess with that stuff. Another person that was mightily used of God, many people coming to the Lord, actually ended his life, died young as a drunk homosexual. And you think, how in the world could someone go from that to that? To just flowing in the power of God and awesome things happening to ending his life in such a mess and such a disgrace. Well, I will tell you this. Somewhere along the line, there was a darkened vision. There, there was a, a darkened heart, and things weren't so clear anymore. And we need to watch out, because listen, our culture, man, this is all over it right now. Everything in, in media and with the whole political correct garbage, did I say that? Yeah. Uh, basically tells us that we should embrace everything. Any kind of thought. If you believe something and you live a certain way, who am I to say that that's wrong? How about someone who can see? Can I be a little more plain? How about someone with a brain? All right. I'm not meaning to be harsh, but it's hard not to. But it's, been, we're, it's being pushed upon us. Just accept everything. Because everything's okay. No matter what someone does. No matter how someone lives. It's alright. No, it's not. It's not okay. And it's okay for a loving, non-condemning person to have a line drawn in the sand. For a person to say, I believe that's wrong and this is right. I believe what you're doing is wrong. I still love you. I'm not going to beat you over the head, but it's still wrong. And thank God Jesus came to deliver us. But we've got to have clear sight. What can happen if we don't? We start accepting things, tolerating, and then eventually embracing stuff that is just absolutely contrary to the nature of God and is completely alienated from His life. This is what we must avoid. Say amen. Amen. Go to Ephesians chapter 1. Just real close there. In Ephesians chapter 1, of course, this is where we, uh, when we started this series a couple months ago, we started here, and it's taken two months to get back, but we made it. Woohoo! we're there. We have arrived in Ephesians chapter 1. It's a good place to be. <laughs> Come on, lighten up. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15 says, therefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints. Now, stop there just a moment. Notice the, notice the language he uses. Paul writing to this church. After 
I heard that you had faith and love after you got saved. Hmm. You have faith. You've got your born of love. This is the love of God. After I heard that, I started praying for you. After I found out what has happened, I started praying for you. I think that's interesting. We often think, well, we need to pray for someone before so that they'll get saved. Right? You would think all the prayer is up unto salvation, but after that, well, everything's good. Man, God saved, they're in the kingdom. We can relax now. No, now's the time to start praying. And this is where we miss it sometimes with new believers. We think, man, I prayed and I prayed and I prayed and I believed and I spoke the word to them and I lived a godly life before them and it worked. They got saved. Woohoo! And we kick back and relax and they don't know anything. They did get saved and thank God heaven is their future. But this is the point where Paul said, I started praying for you. Because oftentimes what we have are a bunch of believers who don't know anything. What do you mean they don't know anything? They just know that my sins are forgiven and they're excited about that. But that's the point where we begin. And the very most important thing a person needs after they get saved is this. I did that so you'll remember. What do they need? The eyes of their understanding enlightened. Because you can be saved and still be really, really ignorant of all the ways of God and how things work. And I cannot live out the Christian life with my eyes closed. It's impossible for me to do the will of God and to live in the abundance of what He's provided without revelation. And so that's why he heard they got saved, heard they were full of love and faith, so he went to praying for them. And this is where our Christian life is supposed to begin. But a big problem in many, many believers' lives is they are really just spiritually ignorant. One reason they are, can I tell you, I'm being real nice, not calling anybody's name, is because sometimes they get involved and they're listening to a pastor or something, a preacher, and they don't know anything. What's that called? It's called the blind leading the blind. And just because a person is charismatic or interesting or even has good love for people, there's definitely value in some of that. They care about people. It doesn't mean they know anything. And if they don't, what can they give? Little light, fluffy, might make you feel good, might get a little chuckle here and there. Nothing wrong with the chuckle or the feel good. But if that's all we get, we are not going to grow. And so we've got a huge problem of uh, people remaining in a babyhood state of Christianity. Messages at churches oftentimes are too shallow. People come to get the word and they get a little... They get a little mint. Huh? The mint's fine, but eat that afterwards. We need to come and get a meal and have some revelation brought forth. And if our eyes aren't open, man. And, and let me just say this while we're at it. This is what I was going to say earlier. Thank God it came back. What Paul started praying for them, which we'll get to. Now I forgot it again. <laughs> What Paul started dealing with them about first was not all their behavior. Okay, you guys, you got saved, faith, love, you got it going on. Now I need to talk to you about your walk. We read Ephesians 4, but remember 4 comes after 3, which comes after 2, which comes after 1. First things first now. Get saved, get your eyes opened. He didn't go in and start saying, okay, now let me show you. You're doing this wrong. You're doing this wrong. You're not doing this enough. You need to start acting this way. You need to start behaving this way. This needs to be your manner of life. Too often, we can deal with those issues, but...
But if people have their eyes closed, it becomes really difficult. You've done it. I've done it. We're trying to get someone to act right. If they would just stop doing that and start doing this. If they would stop living their lives that way. We're twisting arms and trying to convince and trying to make someone act different. But their eyes are closed so it's very difficult to get them to comply. But in order now, what do we do? Pray first that they'd have open eyes. Then do you ever deal with behavior and how we should conduct our lives as Christians? Absolutely. But you know that becomes a whole lot easier when someone can see it. Hmm. He didn't come and say, you know, you guys need to start, check out your giving. You're not giving enough. You need, not be, you need to get in church. You need not faithful to church enough. You're not involved. You're not doing all this stuff. You've got all these problems. No. Eyes open. When someone's eyes are open and you talk to them about giving, light turns on. Oh, I can do that. And then you can do it in faith. Someone's eyes, when you talk about being involved in the work of God in a local church. Oh, yeah, I can see that. Say, I know people who, they, they just don't think they should go to church. They say, well, you know, I can be a Christian without going to church. And can I tell you something? They just don't see it. They don't see the importance. They can put up the it can put up a little argument says I don't need to go to church and fine. But they're just not seeing what you see. That's why the answer is not always keep twisting, keep pulling, keep trying to convince them. How many know the Holy Spirit is the revealer of truth? You are not. I'm not. I'll try, and I'll keep trying. <laughs> Maybe the Holy Spirit will take hold, you know, and He does at times. To, to set someone free. But I can't convince another person of something that's true. Not where it really matters. Right on the inside. But that's why, first things first, this is important. We got natural stuff to talk about. But if we pray first. And man, I'm praying this way, I got to tell you. Lord, open the eyes of our understanding. Then let's speak the truth. And watch things change. The scales come down and we see clearly. It's not in a condemning way, but it's in a liberating, freeing way where we can serve God acceptably. Okay, here we go. Where are we at? <laughs> verse 17. He said that the God... He said, verse 16, I do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in our prayers. In my prayers that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, would give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened. Let's hold on right there for a moment. Again, revelation knowledge is vastly different from knowledge that is acquired by learning. Nothing, knowledge acquired by learning can be very valuable. But revelation knowledge is distinctly different from that. Not the same. It doesn't come the same way. You can be dumb as a rock as far as your IQ goes and still have revelation and therefore be free. Oh, this is great. This is great news. And if you're, you're smart as a rocket scientist and you're listening to me today, uh, don't rely upon that for revelation. It's separate. It's different. It doesn't take its place. Thank God you can build a rocket. I can't. You can. But revelation knowledge is different from that. And we need that so that we can be free. Okay. Notice this again now. The only thing that the Apostle Paul asked God to give them was in the area of knowledge and understanding, revelation and open eyes. He didn't ask them, Lord, meet their needs. Lord, would you heal their bodies, set them free from addictions, loose them from marriage problems, Lord, help them with all, the, their, all this stuff. That wasn't mentioned. And I think it's important that we recognize, because sometimes that's all people pray about. Lord, give me, give me, give me, give me more power, give me all this stuff. And say, is that wrong? What we have to understand, when he prayed, it wasn't with the mindset that God had to do something. It was simply that we had to see what he already did. Their eyes had to be open unto the provision of God that was already made available. Okay, We can learn something about prayer. Sometimes people spend too much time praying about stuff that they shouldn't be praying about. And if we pray accurately, we'll find out, oh, I didn't see that. Oh, I didn't know I had that either. Well, looky there, where'd that come from? 
been there the whole time. But you prayed correctly, and now you see it. Now you can go pick it up and use it. Now you can access the very resources of heaven. Praise God. And so it's different. Hold your finger there, if you would, and turn with me to Matthew 16. Matthew chapter 16. Over here, this is where Jesus was talking to his disciples one day. If you don't have a Bible, you're okay. If you can see someone else, it's fine. If not, just listen real close. Okay. Uh, Jesus was talking to his disciples one day, asking what the buzz was around town about him. Saying, what's everybody saying? What are they saying about me? Are people talking about me? Who do they say that I am? And, uh, you know, he said, this is verse 14. Some say you're Elijah or John the Baptist or, uh, you know, Jeremiah, one of the prophets. He said, who do you say I am? And Peter said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Then Jesus, verse 17, this is where we want to get. Jesus answered and said to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Notice what's happening here. Peter got a revelation. Jesus said, you didn't learn this. You didn't get this from somebody else, from something somebody else told you. You didn't study real hard and figure it out. Study all the prophecies and you figured it out that I'm the Christ. No, he said, listen, my Father in heaven gave this to you. Way to go, Peter. Yeah, you got a revelation. God gave it to you. You know who I am by revelation knowledge. Peter was feeling pretty good about himself. Flowing in revelation knowledge. Yes, I am. My name is Peter. (laughs) I flow in revelation. And Peter started liking himself about that. In fact, if you just read here a few verses later, Jesus started talking in verse 21. He began to show them how he was about to suffer and suffer many things from the elders and he was going to be killed and he was going to rise the third day. Uh, But look at verse 22. Then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Who? Peter took Jesus aside. Okay? Peter's flown in Revelation, you know. He's getting stuff straight from the Father. And, you know, Jesus even acknowledging that. Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah. It's me, Simon Bar-Jonah. They call me Peter. I'm a rock. (laughs) He's feeling pretty good. Jesus starts saying stuff that Peter doesn't like. Peter pulls Jesus aside. Jesus, here. Imagine this. And he gets in his face and rebukes him. Peter rebukes Jesus. Wow. This shows you a little bit how a person with revelation doesn't mean they have all revelation. Doesn't mean they know everything. Okay, of course, you know what Jesus did. He looked right in Peter's face. How many know Jesus was no wimp? Man of love and a man who was strong. And stood for what was, what was right. He looked at Peter and said, get behind me, Satan. You're an offense to me. Right? He didn't put up with that. But listen, Peter one moment is receiving revelation. Yielding to God one minute, yielding to the devil the next. And so we should understand, this has a positive and a negative way of looking at it. One, just because you have revelation in one area, doesn't mean you have revelation in other areas. Okay, and here's the other thing. If, you, if you're feeling pretty ignorant in some areas, man, I really don't know anything about that. That doesn't mean you don't know stuff about other areas. Okay, every one of us are in the same boat. There's more we can see. There's more we can know. And if we're seeking, we'll be finding. Come on, if we'll knock, it'll be open. We'll ask, it'll be given unto us. And this is the kind of stuff that comes by asking. If the Lord wants me to know something, certainly he would tell me. I mean, he's God. He can tell me anything he wants to tell me. That is just really not how it works. We must respect the Lord enough to approach it his way. Go through the process. This is one of those things you have to ask for. Paul prayed continually that their eyes would be opened. They would have a spirit of wisdom and revelation. Back to Ephesians. 
Back to Ephesians chapter 1. Notice what they would know. He said that you would have a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. The goal in this is that we know God more. We have a revelation of Him. How many know that if you have a revelation of the Lord and you know Him, there's a whole lot of questions that are already answered. You might not know all the scriptures. You might not know what to say. But if you know Him, certain things, they'll just be thrown out. Certain questions. If, if someone were to come to you, let's say you knew me. And someone came to you and said, you know what, that guy, he robbed the bank. He robbed the bank right down the street. And after that, he, you know what else he does? He beats his wife and cusses on the side. <laughs> if you know me, that doesn't bother you. You would say, shut up. You're an oaf. <laughs> you don't know anything. You just shut your mouth. Why are you talking like that? But if you don't know me, how many know you're going, really? <laughs> wow, I didn't know that. I better check this out. I mean, I don't want to go to that church if he's a bank robbing, wife beating cusser. You know, <laughs> that, that, that would be a bad place to go, and you'd be right. <laughs> But if you know me, you don't have to have all the details. You don't have to have it proven to you. You already know. No, that's not who he is. That's not what happens. I remember a guy uh, years ago, he was, before I really had a very in-depth knowledge of, of the word, was talking to me about how if you do something wrong, he was another Christian, how, you know, God will punish you and give you a headache and... Uh, and, uh, and different things like that. And I remember being so frustrated because I knew he was wrong. I didn't have the scriptures to show him. But I knew God to a degree. And I knew, well, that's not right. That is just stupid. I mean, I can't prove it. Now I can prove it. I'll bring him on. But at the time, I did have some knowledge of God. And so I knew, no, that's not the way he acts. That's not the God I know. And when we have our eyes open and we have revelation and eyes to see, there is so much about the Lord that even if you don't know the verse, you'll just know, man, that's not him. That's not the way he is. That's not the way he acts. And someone will say, oh, the Lord said this to me. And you'll think, what? No, he didn't. Sometimes people wonder, how do you know when someone prophesies if it's right? Well, here's one big help. When you really know him, you know the kind of things he says. And if someone starts saying something that kind of comes out of left field, you don't need some big vision or big feeling to, to understand. You'll have to see into the realm of the Spirit to know whether it's right or wrong. You just know your Father. And you know he doesn't talk like that. You know he's not speaking about those things, and so it's easily judged. There is great advantage to this. Man, when we can walk in this, I tell you what, when I, as a pastor and as a teacher, I so desire that if I'm going to teach on giving, that I'm talking to people who are like this, as opposed to trying to convince someone with their eyes closed. If I'm going to talk about, you know, faith, I'm going to talk about love, whatever. If you can talk about people who are operating in revelation knowledge, who continually, day after day, say, Lord, Open the eyes of my understanding. Give unto me a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Man, you're going to make my job really easy. Woo, I'm going to have so much fun. And don't get me wrong, it's going pretty good. Okay? Because this is the case of many of us. But I'm saying it can increase more and more. Amen. Three things that we're supposed to know. All right, let's finish up with this. Three things that we must know. If I have a spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him and the eyes of my understanding are enlightened, the rest of this, uh, these verses here basically tell us what we're going to know. This is what God will show you. Okay? It says in verse 18, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, 
what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints and what are the exceeding what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power all right here's these three let me put these in my own in my own terms first of all number one what he wants us to be and do when we pray we are going to know when our eyes are open we are going to know what god wants us to be and what he wants us to do this is the hope of his calling how many know the blessing of God is already on what the Lord's doing? I do not, if I'm involved in something that God is involved with, I do not have to try to convince Him to bless it. Too many times people find themselves doing something and saying, Lord, bless the work of my hands, bless this stuff. When He's doing it and we're getting involved with it, it's inherent. I believe that's true about this church. I don't have to beg God every day, Lord, bless life, church. Lord, cause it to be fruitful and people to get saved and, 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 and so forth. Listen, that's going to happen because he ordained it. Amen. doesn't mean there's not a place for prayer and doesn't mean there couldn't be demonic attack. All that stuff is true and we stand against it and we do pray, but it's not from a position of I've come up with my own idea, my own thing, my own work, and I'm trying to get the Lord to get involved. That's not the way to go. That's a hard way to live. But if I can find what he's doing, his call, his purpose for my life, get involved, it's just going to work. Others will struggle, and I don't want to see anyone struggle, but others will struggle, but I won't. You know what this is also true about? You. You've been born of him. If you've received the Lord Jesus, you're saved, and his blessing is inherently a part of your life. Ephesians 1.3 says you've been blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Amen. So I'm just trying to get the Lord to bless me. Don't. He already has. It is inherent within you. And sometimes we just learn to, need to learn not to do things that block it. That block the blessing. Right? Things that get in the way. And sometimes there are attacks that come against us and we must stand against them. Use the authority that we have in Jesus' name. And that is necessary. But inherently, man, the blessing of God's already on your life because you're in Christ. That's the way that that's the way those kind of things work. But the will of God for you, man, it's general for all believers. And this is what we're going to see. As our eyes are open more and more, we're going to see what the Lord has provided for all believers, the place He's called us all to. And then specifically, He has given you grace and given you a place. He's given you a purpose and an assignment in life. And you'll know this more clearly. You'll see it accurately when revelation comes to you. And there's nothing that can substitute for a square peg being in a square hole. You know what I'm talking about? Be a person being in the right place, the right time, with the right gift, with the right anointing. And everything just works. Praise God. So we need to understand what he has made it to be, made us to be the hope of his calling. Secondly, secondly, we need to see what he has provided. We need to see what he's provided. He talked about the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. When I have a spirit of wisdom and revelation of the knowledge of him, the eyes of my understanding being enlightened, I'm going to know what belongs to me. I'm going to know what he has provided for my life as a Christian, as a child of God. You know, too many times people are trying to get God to do what he's already done. They're trying to get what, him to provide what he's already provided. They're asking him to do things, and he's already given those things to him. And we need to quit. Listen, this area of provision is bigger than we know. We have, as Christians, more than we have yet realized. The Bible says that all the promises of God are in him, yes and amen. That means they're in him. That means if they're in Him and I'm, in, and I'm in Him, I get them all. They're all inherently a part of my life. Uh, you know, there are, some, there are some that teach, and this is when you get into the, really the cult realm. There are some that teach that what Jesus did on the cross only goes so far. Okay? I've spoken to some of these people uh, numerous times throughout my life when they ride their bikes. And... And I love the and I love them, honestly, love them. I had many discussions, and they ride the bike. But my discussions with some of those guys, they've they've told me we believe that uh, what Jesus did through redemption paid for the sin of Adam. 
but then what we do with our lives is up to us. In other words, that's where works kicks in. Okay, that's really, if you study world religion at all, that's the problem with world religions. They all have to do with what you do, making yourself better to earn your place or be good enough. Okay, that's just a dangerous way of believing. For one, it's like completely and totally against the Bible. New Testament, real specific, Galatians and Romans, if you want to go even more down to, it just completely contradicts those books. But, you know, it's always hard to imagine. If this is really about me and how good I am, you know, I got good here and bad here. And if I'm trying to balance my life, you know, and just when I die, if I've got a little bit more good works than bad works, I make it. I'm in heaven. But if, oops, I do one extra bad thing right before I die, then I am the nicest guy in hell. You know what I'm saying? I mean, because I'm, I'm there with these guys. They're all around me and these guys and these guys. But I was just barely. That doesn't sound too comforting to me. I get the award. You are the most moral person in hell. Okay, that's just logic, though. How many can understand that? If we go to the New Testament and look at the Word of God, that's, this is where we need to understand uh, what truth is. Praise God. Amen. And these things are key that we understand them. But again, the work of the Lord Jesus is completely finished. He finished the work and left nothing undone. There is not one single thing that he left out of redemption. Colossians chapter 3, remember it says that we are complete in him. That means there is nothing left unfinished. When you receive the Lord, he did a complete overhaul and you are perfect in your spirit. There is nothing missing and nothing lacking. See, the Lord's not like, if the Lord were going to build you a house, He doesn't hand you and say, hey, here you go, here's the house, and you get in there and you find out there's no plumbing, there's no electricity. You get in there and find that, you know, He forgot to paint the walls, that there are a bunch of things that you have to finish, a bunch of things that now you must complete. When the Lord builds you a house, He gives you a key. It's called turnkey. In other words, it is all completely finished. You walk in and everything is done. Now here's the deal. What do I do from there? I start discovering what's in there. I start looking around and say, Lord, turn on some lights for me so I can see what you've made for me. Give me some revelation and understanding so I can see what's already here. I'm not saying, Lord, I'd like a bathroom. Bathroom's in there. Lord, I'd like a little weight room. Weight room's in there. Already a part of the house. I've just got to go around and find what the Lord has already given me. And this is where revelation comes in. I'm not trying to get the Lord to do something else and to add something else to my salvation. It's a complete finished house. I've just got to go around and find some stuff. I've got to go around and see what He's given me. Turn some... Oh, there's a switch there. Didn't know that was there. Here's something else. And I'm telling you, there, there are rooms you haven't been in yet. There are aspects to your salvation and what the Lord has provided for you that you haven't seen yet, but we're on the right path. Say, how can I see it? Ask the Lord to open my eyes. As one translation says, Let I, may I be flooded with light. So I walk in, wow, look at that. Woo, look at that. That's nice. Now I can use that stuff. Now I can benefit from what he's given me. Instead of, well, the Lord just hasn't given me much. He has. It's time to open up. And we'll start seeing everything. That he's given us. Glory. 
Whew, I need a rest. All right, number three. Just going to soak it in. It's the third time I've preached this this weekend, and it's still good. <laughs> Man, I preached it a few more times. I might have to take a lap. <laughs> Glory to God. All right, number three. What's the three things that we're going to find out when we have revelation? Number three is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us. That's what he said there, the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of, my, mighty, of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead. This power that God has made available to us must be known by us. We must see this incredible power. And this is no ordinary, this is no 110 power. This is the stuff that raised Christ from the dead. Why do I say it that way? It's because this was, when Jesus was raised from the dead, it was no everyday garden variety you know, common occurrence, just those regular raisings from the dead. You know what I'm talking about? It wasn't like, you know, those easy ones like Lazarus, who was dead for four days and stunk. Remember, he came out. It wasn't like all the other times when someone's... This was different because when Jesus was raised from the dead, you were raised from the dead. And you were raised from the dead. And you were raised from the dead. And I came busting out of the grave with him... If you go to Ephesians chapter 2, it says that he has raised us up together. And so when Jesus came busting out of the tomb, he took all of humanity with him. That's why today, in the time in which we live, whosoever will call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Why is it so easy? Because he already did it. It was a massive display of God's power that raised everyone out of spiritual darkness. And now they call on it and it becomes a reality in their life. Isn't there anything I need to do? No. The power was already released. Already put on display. And God has changed everything. And the moment you call on him, it activates in your life. This is what we're supposed to know. This power resides in us as believers it's tremendous power you are far more powerful than you realize there is more happening in your life than than you have seen and than i have seen and we've got to know this this is why paul prayed it. he didn't say clean up your act and do this right i want you to see this when you see it everything i can live different i can do things different praise god listen it I don't think it's right for me to be praying and asking, Lord, I'm just so weak and powerless. Give me more power. Give me more of this. Give me more of this. I see the scriptural way to pray is, Lord, show me what I've already got. Show me the power that raised Christ from the dead, how this is in me. If I've, if I've got someone coming against me and I've got a gun and I know how to use it, and I know that it's loaded. How many know that guy's in trouble? How many know I'm not really worried about him? He might be huge. But if I've got power. And I know how to use it. I'm going to walk differently. And I'm going to face challenges. Face those who come against me differently. You want to take my life out? Look what I got. I'm going to live different. If I know the very power of God that I've got at my disposal, I'm going to live differently in my life. And instead of, Lord, give me more. Lord, help me. Lord, man, if I know what I've got, that changes everything. I'm not afraid of some ugly sickness or disease. I'm not afraid of not making it. I've got the very power of God that raised Christ from the dead. I know what I have, and I know how to use it. And if I know what I have, I know how to use it, I'm going to be quick to walk free from all kinds of junk. And I'm going to face boldly when the enemy comes against me in my life. Man, I think too many Christians skipped over this chapter. 
They got saved, been saved for years, going to a dead, dry place, hearing about nothing, three good jokes and a conclusion. Pray once in a while, but don't know what they're praying. Read the scripture without understanding. Hmm. Have a desire to know God, but just approaching it the wrong way. And Paul said, I heard you got saved, man. I heard you got faith. I heard you got love. So I started praying for you immediately. And every time I think of you, I give thanks for you. And I make mention of you in my prayers. And God would give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation and a knowledge of Him. That's the most important thing we need after we get saved. So we can start, start approaching everything that, that comes our way with the knowledge of Him. The knowledge of what we have. And if i got weapons, I need to know about them. I need to know how to use them. If I've been given resources, I need to know that they're there. Praise God. Man, the Lord is doing some good things. Did you notice this about each of those three areas? Maybe you didn't. Each one, it puts a word in there, capital H-I-S. His. This is good news for me. I can't mess it up. The calling, the provision, and the power are His. So my lack of doing everything perfect... My lack of being everything that I'm supposed to be and doing everything right does not abort this whole situation and scenario. It's His power. It's His call. It's, it's His resources. And I'm sliding in on Jesus. He gets all the glory, all the credit, and we get all the benefit. But I've got to know what belongs to me so that, went, so that I can take it up and take my place in Him. Praise God. I hope I, today that I've stirred you to pray. This very simple but most profound and powerful prayer. Pray it for yourself and pray it for others. And when you're struggling to try to get people to change and do right, quit. Offer them the word. Be there as an, as an encouragement and all this. But pray that God would open their eyes. When they can see it, man, they'll be, they'll be different. When you can see it, things will change in your life. Amen, amen. Father, thank you today. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your love poured out in our hearts. Lord, I believe you're doing a good thing, a mighty work in our midst here now. In the lives of every person, I thank you for taking them up, lifting us higher. As a result of revelation knowledge, our eyes being opened. Lord, may each person today see things that they haven't seen before. May they have an understanding of things they have not understood before. For we know that everything will be different when this takes place. Oh, we give you all the praise. All the glory, all the honor for your faithful Lord. Glory to God. Faithful, faithful are you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Father, I pray for those today who've come to church and they've never been born again. They haven't been saved.